If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So, today's episode is a hard one. I thought about pulling it completely, deleting it, the video, the audio, everything. (sighs) Today's guest was supposed to be Aaron Carter. Aaron Carter has passed away since the recording of this video. And upon hearing about his passing, I've been deeply affected by it um, because when he didn't show up, I decided to continue with my content and pivot to talking about my accountability and my journey with sobriety. But I all the while was still checking like to see if he was coming. I was asking my producer, I was like, have you heard anything? Have you seen anything? I was genuinely concerned. And I think the tension was palpable. Anyway, I I felt instinctively uh, that something bad would happen um, to him like soon. Um, I was unfortunately right. And it is not easy for me to choose whether or not to continue to, you know, post this. But the reason I'm doing it is because I want to spread awareness and I want to bring to light that sobriety is not a linear journey. Um, I want to shed light that, you know, Aaron was a very vibrant human being um, who had a lot to live for. And while we may not know everything that he was going through or the conditions of his passing, that he has a family and he has a child that he has left behind. So I will be praying for him and I will be basically giving it up to God for why this timed out the way that it did. And if there's anyone that you know that is struggling, please get them help. Please intervene. Please do what you can to get them help. Um, And God, I'm just rooting for everybody. It's really hard. And I know that there's a lot of triggers for people. And I know that addiction is rampant in our society right now. (sighs) But I also think that intervention could have happened for Aaron at an early stage in his younger life as a high-performing child. And while I am a content creator, I also am a mother. And I'm a person who has a message behind what I'm doing for this podcast. I want change. I want reform. I want advocacy. I want to see my friends live. So all the disclaimers are here for you to understand that, you know, 
go ahead and watch this, uh, this episode of Vulnerable. I'm Christy Carlson Romano, and this is The Vulnerable Podcast. Hey, so today on Vulnerable, I am my own guest. We had a wonderful guest booked to come on, but, you know, currently we don't have an ETA on whether that guest is able to come. It was a big guest. Uh, I was really looking forward to speaking to this one. And it's an opportunity for me to speak with you directly as the listener about accountability, mental health. And I really would like to take the time to do that because I've learned quite a lot of it. And I am here on set. I've sort of come away from my family. I've taken time to be here for basically 48 hours. In a few hours, I'll be going to Vegas where I'm going to promote on a red carpet my other podcast called I Hear Voices with Will Friedle. And it's an animated, you know, family-friendly, really fun, uh, very, very different podcast that I do. And I, I'm very proud of it, you know? I am also proud of Vulnerable for different reasons. Vulnerable is very much who I am when, you know, the cameras aren't rolling. And I've made peace with what it means to make content and be authentic at the same time. I think I learned this when I was doing my YouTube walk and talks that became pretty viral. And I was talking a lot about my personal struggles. I think fans got to know me. And of course, haters got some information that they could sling. But ideally, I was myself truly, and I was able to open up. So I wanted to start vulnerable so that I could create a sort of safe space for people to come who have either been struggling, are struggling, or want to advocate for people and create a, you know, a wonderful space for people. And sometimes the people that are struggling are not able to speak for themselves. And this empty chair here is proof of that. You know, I can relate to this in a lot of ways, right? So there are so many ways in my 20s that I did not show up for anyone, including myself, because I wasn't sober. Sobriety is what gave me my life back. I'm fearful for when my daughters come of an age when drugs and alcohol become a topic of conversation. As parents, I'm fed a lot of things on my algorithm about, you know, rainbow fentanyl sweet tart things that are candy and just the scariest stuff. Euphoria, don't watch Euphoria season two. Oh my God. It's sexy, but don't watch it. You know, it's like you're fed so much fear. And I'm terrified of, you know, how my kids will sort of interact with drugs and alcohol. Because if you have a predisposition for addiction, and if you have an environment that for some reason pushes you into needing that, right, to self-medicate, there is potentially no bottom for some people. And what's more is that I, I think that the mind has a way of losing itself to where it can't come back. Some people have psychotic breaks and it happens throughout their adolescence. And of course, drugs and alcohol are introduced in that time frame. And people 
are lost to you and to their families. You know, I, I've lost family members over drugs and alcohol, not my usage, but their inability to take it out of their lives. And I know I'm not alone in that. So I've seen this from being, I guess, the addict and, and being the, the family of someone of addicts. So I know this from both angles and I'm extremely empathetic and sympathetic. Once I got sober, right, I realized how much distance I needed to put away from like my past life or my past habits and my past coping mechanisms and started to focus on what my life would look like as a mom and a wife and even just a career person, right? Like someone who could end up, you know, making a living online with my clothes on. <laughs> that became so empowering to me that that was my new drug, if you want to call it that. Living a good life is everything to me. It's the highest high that I could possibly have. And falling in love with that and fully embracing that quality of life is not something that everyone can do and understand. So I'm looking at my phone, you know, kind of hoping that I'll get something, but it's not going to be who I think it is because when someone is suffering so badly, their accountability is completely gone. They can't operate in the normal world and show up for the people that they love or even, you know, the people that they respect because it's unfortunate that like my guest is seemingly has a good heart and has representatives that, you know, want to take care of that person. And I think that's wonderful for them that they have even one person that's like in their corner, but <laughs> they kind of also need to be held accountable too. Because <laughs> once a person kind of like commits to something, even if it's uh, on someone's behalf, unless there's like a real family emergency, which I still think can be communicated through that representation, it's kind of like, okay, there's kind of a chink in the armor here that affects my time, my time away from being with my family, et cetera. And I'm not offended at all. I just want to, I just want to say that. But I do want to take the time that I have instead of just sitting, waiting for my next guest, who I know will be on time <laughs> with lots to say and kind of like reflect on what this is doing to me. And, it, and so, yes, like not having someone show up for you, it can trigger you and it can make you feel a lot of things, but it's also something that I can choose to empower me, right? Like I can say, okay, I see myself in this. In my 20s, right? A lot of the reason why I feel like my career did not sort of. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
continue to stay on a really strong path of like being someone who like went from, you know, guest star to guest star, just like the reason why I didn't continue to pop up on mainstream television and movies was because I was not focused and I was not accountable and I was not somebody that I think in a sea of other young actresses, somebody was like, I want to hire this person because they're going to show up and they're going to be their best self. And I didn't carry myself like I had any value. I didn't see and understand who I was at all. And, you know, that does get you into a lot of trouble in Hollywood. Like if you don't 100% have a vision of where you're going, who you are now, what you want, what you don't want, what you're willing to deal with, which is always a sliding scale for some people, I guess, you got to know your value to really be successful. And I, uh, I certainly didn't understand that. And it led me astray and it led me farther away from really being in love with this industry. I think it, it caused me to be entitled for a while. So I would show up to auditions two, three hours late because I didn't have GPS on my car at the time. This was like, you know, I want to say like 2004, 2005. And I didn't have GPS really. It wasn't really the way that it is now. So instant on your phone. And I got lost on my way to these different auditions in the Valley or wherever I was in Los Angeles. And I would show up and they'd be like, the session's over. You're not going to be seen. This happened several times. Not every time, but it happened several times on auditions that, you know, I probably rushed through, you know, receiving the, the script and like, you know, just... I was chaos. I just wasn't in control of my body and my mind and my art form. Like my job as an unemployed actress was to get another job as an actress, but I couldn't get those jobs because I wasn't focused, right? I get that. And I take accountability for that. And that's okay. You know, I think for a long time, I would look to these other actresses like Hilary Duff, Amanda Moore, I don't even know, guys. Like, I, I'm not salty about this, honestly, but I'm just citing the people that I knew in that time frame that were kind of coming up at the same time as me and kept working. And I had left to go to, you know, New York City and I wanted to go to college, which I had done, you know, at 18, right after even Stevens, I left and I went for a year and a half. But then I went back into the swing of it with doing Broadway, which kind of burnt me out. And then after Broadway, I went back to LA and did like a book deal and a record deal. And I had like this whole wave of crazy that I think my chaotic mindset was buried. But if I had not been in a place of chaos and had been sort of ready to go and having my own vision, things would have been a bit different. That's for sure. And so I guess part of why I wanted to come on by myself and talk about this time in my life is because I haven't really crystallized it for people. And I think this is the ultimate act of me being accountable for that, you know, time in my life. And so many people want to say, well, why do child actors, child performers, you know, lose their shit? Why are they so messy and all that? And I definitely hit that for 10 years, actually, for 10 years of my life, maybe even a couple more until I decided to have a family with my husband. You know, you think, okay, well, now the person's in a serious relationship. That'll take care of him. That'll sober him up. 
but it doesn't. I'm still looking. I don't know why I'm still looking. I should accept the fact that this, this interview is not happening. <laughs> I still want to hope, you know, that like, that there's a limit to people's like kind of confusion and their chaos. But again, this is not my journey we're talking about. Like this does not affect me. I'm not going to let it affect me. I'm going to take the time that I had allocated for someone and I'm going to chat. Because how many, how many chances will I get to chat with you guys in this beautiful set with nothing else, no kids like upstairs, like when I'm home in my green screen set? This is really cool. I also want to just take a second to thank like my amazing producer and my other producer, I guess, <laughs> Lee, Lisa Tron and Elizabeth Wyndham. And I'm here now at Podhead Studios in Los Angeles, which is like, I guess my husband and Lee and Dan Levy Dagerman, like there's a really great team in place, you know, that when I was in my 20s could have never have seen myself in a position of power and a position of collaboration and equality and true creativity, which doing this podcast has given me a platform to do. You guys listening and watching, this is a relationship that I don't take for granted. I listen to the comments. I hear what you guys think and have to say. I know the people that are positively affected by my content, and it matters to me quite a lot. Every person that sits down next to me or has given me time, even remotely in previous episodes, they matter to me as if they are my family. Maybe that's a good thing and maybe that's not a good thing. But I will tell you this. There has been not one person that's shared their journeys with me that I've been triggered to the point where I feel like my sobriety is at risk or like my worldview is challenged in a way that I feel insecure. Like, I want you to know that like, I'm okay, that like, I'm strong and that I'm doing this podcast to not necessarily amplify people's points of view, right? Like I had Bug Hall on and he's a very, very conservative person, but we didn't talk about that. We talked about how he was molested and how he was a child actor and how he found he found faith and he found ethics and he found a way of life to get out of the chaos inside of him when he was an active addict. That journey is an interesting one. I don't have to agree with everything, right? And then I have, like sitting here, I had Drew Afualo, who's fiercely feminist. And I listened to her and, and I learned so much from her. And I'm so grateful that she would come and sit down next to me and teach me things, you know, about inclusion and, and feminism and stuff like that. So the podcast isn't meant for one type of journey. And I want to be very clear with that. It's for the people that I feel are interesting. This is my podcast, guys. I want to bring people on that are interesting to me. And over time, I will have some big name guests, I'm assuming, once they realize that I'm a safe space and that this is a place that their voices can truly be heard and, and that their messages can be clearly stated as they would like to be represented. And it is, a, it is disappointing because I really wanted our guests to feel seen. I wanted them to communicate what their desires in their life would be going forward and, and try to help them through that and try to help manifest that with them. 
And also too, I'm just kind of like worried because there's no update and I hope that they're okay and I'm sending them love. I mean, as a side note in terms of like keeping people in your lives that have like, that are on their own mental health journeys, right? I'm related to people who struggle with manic depression, I think some bipolar disorder, and it's been a wild ride, you know, because like I said before, they are active drinkers and whatever else, and it pains me not to have them in my life, you know, like to have my kids grow up and not really understand what that normal family dynamic's gonna look like and why certain people aren't mentioned and talked about. And it's a very raw feeling for me. And I'm saddened by it, but there was something that in Al-Anon they told me, and it was this, this mantra, I guess, of giving someone their dignity back. The most influential thing I can do and the most loving act that I can do is take myself out of this equation. Not only for myself, not only for my kids, but for that person to realize that there are actual consequences to like their behaviors. If I'm gone, you'll know something was wrong. And at some point in a moment of clarity for yourself, you'll know that it may have something to do with you. And I'm not hostile. I'm certainly not violent. I don't talk maliciously about these people. And I love them from a distance. Like th there's nothing more that I can do that's healthy for me than to do what I'm doing, which is, you know, just kind of detaching, but with love is also a term that's used in recovery and Al-Anon and stuff like that. If you're listening to this and, and you kind of have, you know, a family member or somebody that's really hard to deal with, consider detaching with love. Consider yourself because... Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's not healthy to keep certain people in your lives just because they're family. Boundaries are super important for you as well. You have to role model strength for not only the people that are the addicts in your life or the people who are struggling, but for the people like your kids or your younger family members who need to be like you so that you can break those like generational problems. There's ways that we can heal together. I believe this through mentorship. It's something that is a recurring theme I talk about on the podcast with other child actors and just I'm realizing it in general. It's like, look, we've lost the concept of a village, like the village coming together and raising each other up and mentorship, matriarchy, like all of that stuff. It's all in there in that concept of the village. Everyone has their role to play. It's almost utopian when you think about it that way, when we discuss it. I think that assigning yourself that role of just living your best life and being the best person that you can be is playing your part in a, in a village that you create, you know, like you are the village. Every part of your healed self represents a part of that village for someone in your family. And with 
truly understanding your boundaries with folks to create a healthier lifestyle for yourself and and the healing that, you know, having these people in your life is traumatizing. Dealing with their stuff, it does affect you. And those feelings really do matter because it could take you down if you let it, right? I look at the times and the decades that I had these family members in my life and I don't really have a lot of positive memories. I have an overwhelming amount of negative memories with anything that was important. Anytime that I would try to come to them with something or celebrate something with them, it became a mess. And that's sad, but I need to move on. I need to find my own family, my own community. Nothing is more healing than if you can find community. And I felt very isolated when, when I became a new mom. And I found the moms of TikTok, you know, I found a lot of community and other moms in my area. And I was, I just felt really so part of something by becoming a mom. And a lot of other moms are similar to me. And I'm talking about moms from all different backgrounds. A lot of us want to em employ gentle parenting approaches and we want to change how we talk to our kids and connect to our kids. And that feels extremely unifying for me personally but, you know, the queer community, as we've mentioned, is an amazing, loving community, super inclusive, and folks that are coming to terms with their bisexuality or their, you know, gender fluidity, their their identity in general. Like, there's a home there. There's more inclusivity in many different communities these days. They're more visible, and you can find them. I personally love TikTok. I think it's a really great aggregate for community and niche communities at that. Just through searching a hashtag, you can become part of a whole a whole world. I, I've seen a lot of positives come from that. So, you know, there's that. Community is important. And you can sometimes choose who your family is to you. I want to ask a couple questions that I was going to ask my guest to myself before I wrap up this solo episode of Vulnerable. <laughs> who would have thunk it? Let's see. I told you about my childhood. Mm -hmm. I've told you about my family dynamic. I've told you even about my current relationship to my family. How do I acknowledge my worth? That's a really great question. I acknowledge my worth slowly. I think it's really important that as like quick or as slow my platform grows. Like as many people that watch this episode in particular versus another one, I don't want to have my worth associated with the algorithm and numbers. Vulnerable, like I said, this is a space that's meant for like authentic connection and it's not, it's not sponsored content. This is a very different type of project that I'm trying to bring to you. And so my worth, albeit, is very capable of producing sponsored content, like on certain platforms for myself. I enjoy that. It helps feed my family. You know, it helps build up my savings account so that I can do things outside of the industry with my life. That's important. And I, I don't think we should shit on folks just trying to make a living. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's something that is, is interpretive. It's their platform to do what they want. If people want to come to the table and say, hey, like, brand name of massive supermarket here, 
could you please post like, you know, Halloween decoration content? And I'm like, heck yeah, I was already going to go to that store and buy that Halloween decor. So if you pay me, that's, that's going to work great. My worth is not as transparent as people might think it is. And I love that about my almost turning 40. Like I'm 38 now and I like myself for the first time. So I was at the airport and I had an epiphany and I even told my therapist. So now I'm telling you. I would walk around all the time hoping people not would recognize me, but just see me. Like I would want to feel attractive. I would want to feel like the cool kid. Like anywhere I went, I was stuck in high school and I would, you know, blare my music when I would drive my car and I would do certain things that were extremely immature. And... I would do these things just to feel seen. It was a cry for attention for sure. And sometimes people that are in their active, you know, addictions or they're recovering or whatever it is that they're trying to deal with in their mental health journey, they'll do the same thing. They'll just do these crazy things and you hear about it in the news and then you're like, are they okay? No, they're not okay. I think you answered your own question. No, they're not okay. But they don't, they don't have the support that they need to heal. And nine times out of 10, that doesn't end well. So hopefully, you know, they can find some help and they can kind of understand their worth truly. But it's hard to understand your worth when you've got a lot of other distractions in the way. Let's see. Hopes that I have for the future. That's a good one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, there's two more questions that you'll have to suffer through with your host, Christy Carlson-Romano, answering. Okay? I hope you're still listening. (laughs) Oh, man. My hopes for my future are that I want to grow my bank account, and I don't think there's shame in that because I've had money, I've lost money, and I am trying to be financially fluent with my husband and we are working towards various podcasts and we're building things together. And it is so gratifying to be, you know, in love with my best friend, my baby daddy and somebody who I truly admire. You know, we've been through a lot and to finally come to a place where we can both succeed and have it be with each other, you know, by each other's side. It's, it's really unique. And that blessing is not I'm fully aware of that blessing. And so, yeah, like that's like my hopes for the future is that I can build more things out with my partner, my husband. And then eventually though, he has his own things and I want him to be doing all of those things. And I kind of want to stop this social media grind at some point. (laughs) I'm going to be really vulnerable with you and tell you that. Like, I don't want to be having to create content for the rest of my life. You know, there was a time when I wanted to be a director and I still do. Like, I still very much want to direct, you know, certain amount of films in my lifetime that 
have magical realism, have kids in them, are a set that's a safe space for minors. Like that's a really big goal of mine. I I would love to to give that experience to kids and then also make a really great movie like a Goonies or Teen Witch or like those things that I grew up on. And I think that would be a lot of fun to direct those things. But in the meantime, you need capital. And when you're a kid like me that didn't have money growing up and you didn't manage your money that you had, capital, you realize, and investing your money wisely and maybe having some real estate, which I don't have yet, all of that stuff's super important to have. So I'm trying to build that up so that I have a little bit more independence from you know the social media grind. Those are my hopes for the immediate, I'd say like two, two to three years. And I'm going to keep doing that. And I'm going to keep working hard and hopefully making on content that's authentic. And people like will invest in me as a person, as a host, as a brand, because what you see is what you get, babe. And then this last question, <laughs> it's a good one. If I could offer any advice to my younger self, what would that be? I've said many things on this in other interviews and whatnot, where I've said like, know your worth, add tax, set your boundaries. But I'm going to say something different today. I'm going to say to be kind. If there was anything that I could have told myself then was to stay soft because there were so many adult forces at play when I was growing up. You know, my parents were always fighting and always fighting about money. And I was always having to like work hard in a working environment that was an adult place, right? And that felt very hard. The rejection that I got growing up, like not getting this job and not doing that, it was all very hard. And I remember having these like conversations with myself as a kid, trying to negotiate what it would feel like if I just got tougher. And there was this little, little part of me, my inner child, I guess, that was basically like, no, stay, no, don't be like that. Like 100% telling you right now that there were two parts of my psyche being a child actor that were like, stay, be the kid, you know, enjoy, like just be soft is the word that it comes to mind. And then there was that other person that felt like a different voice. Like it wasn't who I was or who I wanted to be. It was this like, weird kind of like male energy, I guess you want to call it. And it was just like, be tough, suck it up. Let's go, get up, do the job, do the job, be tough. It was just like this horrible kind of like tape that played in my mind. And over time, you know, I think I was trying to pretend. So then I think like in my 20s, when people were telling me that I needed to be sexier and like to shed my Disney image and all that stuff, like I was immediately gravitating towards like the Angelina Jolie archetype of like sort of masculine sex symbol. But like she was like the female gaze and the male gaze all wrapped in one. And so for me, I was like, oh, I could I could please everybody if I just act exactly like Angelina Jolie. And I tried to convince myself to be tough and sex, drugs and rock and roll. Like all of that to me seemed to work. But again, it brought me back to that chaos, that that unaccountable psyche. And it led to a lot of confusion and immaturity, I would say. Inability to really move on with my life in a lot of different ways. So I come to you as a person who's uh, been down a lot of different roads, not all of them, but the roads that I've been down have led me right here 
to downtown LA, Podhead Studios, vulnerable set that looks absolutely gorgeous. And to this place of humility and gratitude for my platform, for you, and thank you for taking the time to talk to me today and to listen. And I hope that you're kind as well to yourself. And I hope you have a really great day. Vulnerable is hosted by me, Christy Carlson Romano, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham and executive produced by Brendan Rooney. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham and our video editor is Eduardo Gamba. Follow Vulnerable wherever you listen to podcasts so you can join me every week for a vulnerable conversation. And be sure to follow Vulnerable on Instagram and TikTok at The Vulnerable Podcast. And make sure to tune in to my YouTube to watch the video version. 